Due to its length, this episode of Beyond Reality Paranormal was divided into two segments. This is the second of the two. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. Hey everybody, JV here. This is, of course, the second part of our two-part interview with Caroline Corey. Caroline is a filmmaker. She has a new film out called Superhuman, and it discusses a variety of psychic-type phenomena that seem to be innate in all of us. And uh, the first part of the interview is fascinating. If you haven't listened to that yet, I recommend you do before you listen to the second part here. But after the break, we will continue with the second part of our interview with Caroline Corey on Beyond Reality. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tonight is very fascinating as we continue to talk about Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible, a new documentary coming out very shortly, although pre-orders are available. Caroline Corey is the filmmaker. And Caroline, you, you, you hit on something before we went to break. You taught, We were talking about the, uh, the water, the pH experiment with water, and you brought up the point that if you can use intention to alter water, to alter the pH of water. And obviously the body is made up, what's the figure, 97% water, whatever it is. Uh, But you can have the same effect on your body. Intention can affect your body. This opens the door to a whole bunch of very interesting ideas as it relates to human health. Let's talk about that. Yes, absolutely. That's the reason why I wanted to demonstrate this experiment to show that it's very, very possible. Here's the measurement. We start out at 7.4 and we want to lower it or vice versa. It's that usually people are acidic, so it's usually the other way around. Um, And so, and by focusing this way, you know, it just starts going up and up and up. I mean, and like I said, people have to realize this was scientifically done. I mean, we, you know, we take the baseline for a while. It's not the fluke. And, of course, we repeat it over and over. But we're making a film, so obviously we have to edit it down. And so, um, yeah, so it's huge. Think about this. So instead of uh, having to purchase, for example, water in a bottle to raise the water in your body, you can think of it changing and it does. So of course it takes a little bit of training, you know, it's like you have to know how to focus, how to, first of all, you have to believe that that's possible. And in fact, that's why we did it in the film to make people, you know, uh, kind of feel confident that, hey, try it, just try it and see what happens, you know. Um, So the only thing difficulty, I would say that it's difficult to maybe uh, measure the pH inside your body yourself. You know, there's like those little strips that you can try to use Mm -hmm. and see if it changes. There's all kinds of things that you could use uh, maybe to try to do that. If we have the ability to affect our health and affect the makeup of our body with intention, why is that something that 
along with all these other ideas, seems to be a bit recessed for most people. It's not something that we actually innately know how to access. At least we're not aware that we are, we can if we are, in fact, doing that. Um, it seems like that's something that would have risen to the forefront of our uh, species if it's something that we can do that has such a powerful effect. You would think so, right? But that's what I call human manipulation. That's what I call mind, you know, programming. Uh, we are programmed to think, first of all, that we're not good enough. We're, we're programmed to think that we need something outside ourselves to heal or to help us. So the, the, the reflex, actually, again, I've been working with so many people over 20 years from all over the world, you know, help them through health issues, all kinds of issues. And so the, the first thing that comes up as you're trying to heal is uh, I can't do it on my own. Like I need always something, uh, a drug or something, because I'm not good enough. That's part of the separation program. Um, of the human brain, unfortunately. So I think because of that, and, and, and then one generation after another after another, you end up with a species that stops believing, you know, and relies on, you know, the, the big pharma and things like that to, um, to, um, to heal itself. Um, but I think it's, I think now there's more and more people starting to realize like, wait, <laughs> I can do this. I don't know how, but I know I can do this. There's a part of me, you know, deep inside that knows this is possible. So I'm hoping that this film will kind of empower people to go there. And if we take this a step further, uh, there's nothing more important to human health than human DNA. And you actually did some experiments with DNA as well. Yeah, actually, that's how I started out. I started doing these experiments with DNA before water, and this was fascinating, by the way. And uh, as I'm doing all these experiments, what you know, you start to kind of notice that when you sh focus your intent on water or on DNA, it behaves very differently than focusing on a piece of paper. It's very fascinating. It's like the DNA especially responds very quickly. It's, it's like you tell it, I want this, and it just does it. It almost does it before you even finish your thought. Uh, whereas like a piece of paper, it almost like has an ego of its own. It's, you say, okay, I want you to rotate, and it, it, it's more like the reaction is like, well, Maybe I don't want to right now. <laughs> it's a very weird dynamic. Anyway, going back to the DNA, um, because it had such a quick, fast response, I started working with it a lot, and I noticed consistently when you focus on DNA, it responds according to your intent, and your intent is to repair, is to self-repair. Uh, because the DNA can self-repair. And so and it does that by raising the electrical conductivity through the DNA sample. And so there are studies made about that, the, basically the electricity going through the DNA sample. When it's higher, um, it shifts the, the rotation of the DNA, which st starts to, to self-correct. They've done a, um, a study on that, and every time it showed that, it, um, it would start to self-repair. And so that's the reason why raising the electrical conductivity through the DNA um, is very important. You're basically self-correcting. You're basically self-healing yourself. And so, and all that I've done is just focus my intention and literally within seconds, the DNA would respond. 
So that's crazy. I mean, can you imagine that you would just like focus on your DNA and then through your intention, knowing that within seconds it just responds to your intention. So why not try it? Why not, you know, um, go for it? That was the point of this um, this demonstration, again, which we've done many, many, many times over, and it works every single time. And I'm not the only one, again. I would invite other people to try it, and it would be like zap, you know, yeah, and, and it would respond. And again, one, one of the beautiful things about uh, this documentary, Superhuman, is that you show this. You show the experiments in progress and in process, and you show the results. So people, you know, um, can see it happening in front of their eyes. Not that you can actually see the DNA altering, but you can see the results. Uh, you know, a lot of times we're just shown results, and we're, we're, we're supposed to take it on faith that the experiment was done properly. Um, I want to uh, I want to address another uh, part of, uh, I guess we would call it human physiology that relates to this discussion. And that's the idea. And I hope I have this right. It's sonocytology. Mm, Did I say yeah. that right? And, yeah, and we're, sonocytology. We're, I love that. And yeah. we're, we're talking about the, the basically the audio, the sound based through vibrations that the, our cells make. And the fact that they make a different sound, and we'll call it music for lack of a better word. They make a different music when they're healthy versus when they're sick, versus when they're dying, right? Yes, exactly. I love your questions, by the way, JV. You're, <laughs> it's like so profound uh, because a lot of people don't pick up on these little things, you know, in the film. But anyway, uh, yeah, so this is an amazing professor, a UCLA professor, that discovered that he was working on yeast cells, and uh, he discovered that depending on what the cell was doing, it was emitting a different vibration and a different sound. So, of course, using technology, he was able to um, kind of make that sound uh, uh, audible so you can actually hear it. Uh, so the, the bottom line is that uh, different, like you were saying, different states of the cell emit different sounds. So think about that. You don't hear it, but you're actually emitting a sound. And that is, again, validation that you are emitting a frequency. And when the, the, uh, uh, the cell is deceased, actually, it's, is, it's emitting a very weird, distorted frequency. In the film, we play the um, frequency sound of the cell, of the actual cell. This is not just any sound. This is a real sound coming out of a cell. So people can hear what it's like when you are healthy, when your cells are vibrating in a healthy way, the sound that you make, and when you're not healthy, this how, the sound that your, your cells are making. It's fascinating, and it's also validation that you are vibrating at different rates at different times. We have a uh, uh, one of our chatters in our chat room who has a question, and this particular chatter actually has her own YouTube channel, and she addresses uh, topics that are far beyond my comprehension in a lot of ways. So the question is a little bit that way, too, but I'm going to read it word for word for you. Um, water is based on particulate matter in the air making contaminated and in the, in the air is making contaminated from fracking, from CO2, nitrates, meth, methane variations. Um, I'm trying to read this. Uh, show... Hmm. Actually, I'm not sure I'm reading it correctly. The, Vos, the Vostok ice core time interval, 137,000 years ago, how can, in, I think the bottom line is, how can intent, how can we use yes. intent to actually help clean water? 
Can we do that? Ah, yes. Well, actually, I love this question, too. So what happened was uh, we were also trying to decide before starting an experiment, well, what kind of water do you use? You know, like, do you use distilled water? Do you use, like, tap water? Do you use uh, bottled water, spring water? Because it makes a big difference exactly because the particles that make up each water are very different, especially tap water, you can imagine. And so so we, ha- we went through this exercise, and we started, you know, using the intent uh, with the different water to see how we're going to do this experiment. And I realized that when, when we were um, p- focusing our intent on, on tap water, for example, it was so polluted. I mean, it was like like what she was saying. Mm-hmm. It was exo- and we we were trying to demonstrate pH, <laughs> and uh, it, it just was so much effort because we were we had to kind of clean up all these particles, you know, particulates and like you know that are like clogging up the the water, and so um, so long story short, we ended up working with a little bit more purified version, reverse osmosis, um, and then spring water. But all this to say that to answer her question. Though, um, then I came back to the idea. Well, can we clean up uh, water and with intent? And it's the exact same process. Um, I would say that it's easier and it's faster if you know what you want to clean up because your intent can be that much more accurate and precise. Instead of looking at a polluted water and say, okay, I want to purify it, yes, but what nutrients do you want to keep? What nutrients do you not want to keep? And so if we know this water, for example, has a high level of arsenic or whatever, it's better to know what it's, uh, what it's made of and focus on each component and with your intent, zip it out and it works because I've tried it before. Does that answer your question? Um, it's Trinity's question and I, I think it did. <laughs> I understood it. Uh, one of the experience, I have, to, I have uh, one thing that I, that I, I don't know, I don't know. I'm a little concerned about one of the experiences and the way it was conducted because I felt like it could be contaminated. And you tell me if I observed it wrong. But toward, okay. toward the later part of the film, there's an experiment with uh, uh, little pieces of tin foil on uh, some type of uh, needle or something that holds that holds them uh, suspended. And then yeah. you put a glass dome or globe or something over it so it can't be influenced by air or anything. And yes. the intention is to get that tin foil to move. Yes. And it did. However, my concern was I saw um, the gentleman leading that experiment tell everybody to put their hands on the glass. And I know that what happens when you do that is the air heats up and the hands yes. are at the bottom of the glass. Therefore, the air at the bottom of the glass is going to heat up and it's going to rise. And that would make that tinfoil move. And I was a little concerned that those results might be contaminated. You're actually absolutely correct. It is true that when you put your hands, you're raising the temperature inside the glass, and it's possible that it would affect it. Would affect it. I don't know if it would make it rotated the way it does, because uh, if you observe very carefully, like when you, when, um, if, because when we're measuring the, the temperature as well on, in other experiments that we've done, um, even the, the, like the temperature has to rise by several degrees for it to, like, make it move, you know what I mean? But even when it goes gradually, because it's going to uh, heat up gradually, right, it's hard to ha- make it uh, behave the way it actually does. And the way it starts to behave is that it rotates in one, uh, like in, let's say, uh, 
counterclockwise, and then it would stop for a while, and then it would rotate counterclockwise, and it would stop, and it would re-rotate. You know what I mean? Like the behavior is not consistent with just temperature rising gradually within the glass. Having said that, we were actually uh, doing it gradually where, again, Rachel had never done this before. And so first we tried it without the glass, and, of course, the, temp- you know, the electromagnetism from your hand even could be affecting um, the, the piece of paper. Then it was with the glass, with the hands on the glass. Then eventually it was uh, with the glass, with your hands away from the glass. So it was like a gradual thing. But in the film, we ended up editing specifically that piece, um, you know, because the rotation was so great just to kind of show that it was working. Uh, But then we moved on to, if you remember in the film, then we moved on to a point where where the hands weren't touching the glass. Right. And then we, of course, took it, took it a step further, and we did it long distance. Yeah, and, and, and I was a little concerned also. I mean, I, I can't imagine what your, <laughs> your filming conditions were there. However, I imagine there were lights, and I imagine, you know, there was yeah. heat being generated by the lights, whatever. I mean, I was just a little bit concerned about that. And I also remember as a kid a quote-unquote magic trick that we used to do, one of these simple tricks where you'd put a, a dime on the top of a, a, a soda bottle, and you'd put your hands mm. on the bottle, and you'd say you could make the dime dance without touching it. Mm. And the heat from your hand would heat up the air inside. It would try to escape, and therefore the dime would bounce around. Um, anyway, that's what I thought. It was the only one I had a problem with, and I wasn't sure. And it sounds like there was much more going on there than you could show in the film. Therefore, you had to, had accounted for some of that. Yeah, and and uh, and it, you're and you're absolutely correct. I mean, you're what you said is correct. But I think we just edited the pieces that kind of made the story like it was more of a gradual thing. First we showed this, then the next one, then the next one. But uh, yeah, but also I've been doing this also uh, with other people. You start to notice the behavior of the, the the piece of paper, like the you know what I mean. Like you can tell when it's air, like you you just blew on it by accident or something, or when it's temperature versus it starting to move on its own. Like I said, it's like the way it rotates, it's very strange. Then it would stop completely. Why would it stop and then start again? You know, right. if there was heat or air, or, you know, temperature. And y- so. You certainly <laughs> impressed Mr. Corey Feldman in your documentary. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. That was fun yeah. to watch him. Uh, be, you, you, you brought him to Ben Hansen, and, of course, we all know Ben Hansen from Fact or Faked and, and other paranormal work he's done. Um, and and you, had, uh, you, you impressed him. I, you could see him that he was quite impressed by what you did. To do something fun with Corey, you know. So, um, you know, Ben and I discussed like what can we do to basically demonstrate that, you know, basically information or waves were transferring voices or from point A to point B, you know, uh, something like that. Um, and so he mentioned this experiment that they had done in one of you know, they've done many experiments themselves. So, uh, and uh, yeah, Corey loved it. He had a, he had a blast, you know, recording his voice on one of the tape recorders and then, uh, having it show up on another tape recorder that was not even plugged in. 
So uh, yeah, <laughs> no, it was and, a and lot of fun. Just to explain to the audience, because we've talked about EVP on this program a lot, and in fact, um, oh, you know, yeah. my work in, in paranormal <laughs> investigating and ghost hunting, you know, we do a lot with EVP, which is just you know electronic voice phenomena. It's it's inaudible at the time, but when you play back a recording, you hear voices that weren't there when you recorded. Um, and Ben Hansen did an experiment that I'd never seen before in the documentary where he demonstrates how um, certain energies can create this effect. Therefore, um, we have a better understanding that uh, if, if a ghost, in fact, is leaving a vocal imprint on a recording, it can do, throw, do so through the electromagnetic uh, energy it emits. Exactly. That's exactly what we demonstrated. Yeah, it was fascinating. Um, <laughs> talk to me about the, I guess, the non-human part of this, because in part of the documentary, you talk about actually trees and plants being able to communicate because of the fabric of consciousness. Yeah, exactly. And there are many studies, actually, books written on uh, uh, trees and plants emitting a frequency. And uh, I can't remember the name of the book, but it's fascinating book um, and studying the different types of frequencies that the trees were emitting depending on what was going on and they noticed that these frequencies were a whole language you know like a whole vocabulary uh, that the trees were using to communicate like a, like a, a storm was coming or distress or animals or things like that and I find that fascinating because we know animals communicate because we you know we kind of assume they're communicating because birds are making noise or dogs are making noise. So, but but we don't think that plants are communicating, and so this was definitely studied and investigated and demonstrated, and uh, and this gives us even a bigger picture uh, of what's happening. Like we are communicating with obviously our voices, but our energy is also entangled. We are communicating telepathically. Uh, animals are communicating at a distance uh, without even being together. Uh, so the magnetic field, birds are communicating. So we know that. Or dolphins are communicating. And now to add to this whole picture, now trees and plants are also communicating. I find that very beautiful. It kind of fills in the gap of everything, all aspects of life in you know, communication with each other. Um, so that's what I wanted, you know, the idea that I wanted to bring in the film as well. Caroline, this might be a, um, a question beyond, certainly beyond my pay grade, maybe, maybe yours as well. I'm going to throw it out there and, um, and we can chat about it a little bit. And I'm hoping I can ask it in a way that it makes sense. But is this phenomena that we're talking about uh, a result of spirituality? Does it come from something spiritual or does it do the opposite? Does this phenomena we're talking about get mistaken for spirituality? Well, it depends how you define spirituality. I feel like consciousness is, again, a substance or an essence that allows you to do things. It's the mechanics of life. That's how I see it. Spirituality is, is more of an attribute. It's, it's your nature, your spiritual nature. So you can use your spiritual nature um, you know, you can be spiritual as you allow your consciousness to affect water this way or do this or that. You know what I mean? It's like, to me, spirituality is, is an attribute of consciousness. All right, let me be more specific then. Okay. God. <laughs> God. Oh, okay. Yes. 
replace the re- replace the word spirituality in my question with the word God. Does well, this phenomena does it come from God or does it do we um, mistake this as God? Yeah, again, it depends how you define God. <laughs> but to <laughs> me, again, yeah, it's like all that is, and consciousness is a substance. It's a form of energy that permeates God. God permeates it, and then as it manifests within your individuality, your individual personality, it then expresses itself positively or negatively or however you want to express it. This is your free will and your intent. So, I mean, I I don't know. Did that that answer the question? You know, I I feel like uh, God is a concept. It permeates all of existence and so does consciousness what about love love was mentioned in the documentary as well how does that play a role in what we're talking about again it's an attribute i feel like love is a form of energy that allows you to focus your intent a certain way it's an experience um that again makes you want to do certain things or experience certain things. And so, but also, to me, it's, it's an energy form which has a frequency, and that's how you affect um, all other frequencies. We, um, Tom and I, Tom Campbell and I, we were talking about love uh, being the instrument or the energy that lowers entropy, Meaning when you focus on love, when you express love for yourself, for others, you are lowering chaos, you're lowering entropy, if you want to look at it uh, from that perspective as well. Caroline, we're out of time. Um, this has been a fantastic discussion. Thank you for putting up with me. Uh, I, I kept you talking a lot. You didn't get much of a break there, but it was all fantastic information, and it's all directly from your film. I mean, you did a lot of work, and you can only present so much in a in, in a film. Um, I know the work was far more extensive than even what you present, and that's a lot. So once again, let people know where they can find Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. Yeah, very easy. Superhumanfilm.com. Very easy, superhumanfilm.com. They can go right now and order the film. What's next on your plate? You must have another project getting ready or in the works. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few ideas. One of them is ETC. Um, ITC, sorry. Uh, <laughs> what am I saying? Yeah, uh, transcommunication, right? Uh, uh, with Ben Hansen, it's mm-hmm. possible. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm working. I'm uh, just looking at a few concepts. Um, I'm not really, it's not 100% sure yet, but I'm playing with a few ideas. Well, please make sure you let us know when one of those projects is um, underway or near completion or wherever, whenever you think it's appropriate to talk about, because we'd love to have you back. Well, your questions were awesome, my dear. Very, very um, interesting and profound. I really, really enjoyed it. It's not difficult to come up with great questions (laughs) when you've presented the ideas so well in the film, which you did. It was, and it just, it, it not only did it answer a lot of questions for me, it actually made me ponder many others so uh that's a beautiful thing about this documentary it introduces you to these ideas it explains a lot but it also makes you start to ask even bigger questions make sure you've listened to the first segment of this interview on beyond reality paranormal 
Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.